0: To, uh, episode 82 of Bumper Sticker Faith. Uh, can't believe we made it to the 80s, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, we have a special guest. So uh, I think you're our first reappearing guest on the show. Uh-huh. So, nice. <laughs> I've been, I, I love that. So Dr. Price <laughs> is on the show today, Dr. Tom Price, and. Um, uh, we're going to be continuing a conversation that we had uh, from before, and I'll get into that. I'll lay I'll lay that out in a second, but first, just want to address the fact that uh, Lewis Dooley is not here again. And some some of our listeners may be wondering about that. Um, for those of you who don't know, Lewis has a um, nonprofit ministry called Flame on House, and it is to prisoners. It's a prison ministry, mm-hmm. and he also helps. Uh, ex-convicts to, uh, once they are released, to um, go through that transition and back into the real real world. And so at his house where he lives, he actually has uh, people living with him to try to, kind of like a halfway house almost, to try to uh, help get them back on their feet. Well, right now, they're in a very, uh, I guess, busy time and trying to get uh, more people to live with them right now and so he just uh, needed a break uh, from any extra things. It was interesting <laughs> when we had uh, uh, Dr. Glenn Sunshine on, and he, of course, worked with um, Chuck Colson in Prison Fellowship Ministry. That's right. And yeah. uh, they, Lewis and he had that in common because uh, Lewis had met Chuck Colson as well and um, was impacted by uh, Chuck Colson's ministry. So that was Mm -hmm. kind of a cool thing. So that's what's going on with Lewis. But as we... um, So to start the conversation today, I just want to remind people of kind of some of the highlights for me, at least, from uh, last time, and uh, then we'll just tee it off and go from there. But we really started to answer the question of what kind of a world do we live in and what kind of... And we want to get to like, what kind of creatures are we who live in this Mm -hmm. world? And you... It was great how you took your time and built the foundation of not just of what kind of world we live in but what kind of a god that we have that made the world and you use words like god is being god is isness itself mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and god is not he's separate from creation he's not simply just the biggest thing in creation like the greatest thing in creation but he's 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 separate, and he, he his being lends life to our beings. And a word that you, use that I wanted to highlight again was a, is a word theophanic, and yeah. for people who don't know, theo means God, and the phanos part comes from Greek, which means like to reveal or to shine forth. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. and so we are theophanic uh, beings in that we shine forth uh, God's being. And you said that also that the that visible things are a theophany of the invisible things, which I thought was really cool. And then um, you also uh, talked about uh, our nature and our existence are not arbitrary either. And what God does in Christ, which I thought was, it's, it's really helpful too, is that God wants to uh, put our, t- He wants to give us back the right way, uh, in <laughs> Christ, and mm-hmm. uh, that's really worth um, meditating on for people that that union with Christ, uh, the in Christ formula. But when God wants to take us, because we are we are broken, we're good but we're broken, mm-hmm. and He wants to put us back the right way and give us back uh, in Christ, and that. Um, could get into which maybe th- this episode or maybe even another episode about about human freedom because we tend to uh, resist God's way uh, because we because we want liberation from you said we want liberation from anything that places a premise or a condition mm-hmm. on our wills and uh, mm-hmm. we see that uh, rearing its head <laughs> all over <laughs> today yeah. so. I don't know. I think that's a pretty fair summary of, of where we were. And in today's episode, we want to get into the nature of of human nature. Uh whether it's uh does it have one part, two parts, three parts, what do those parts even mean? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? So uh I'll I'll stop blabbing for now and and, <laughs> and see uh what you think.
1: There we go. Yeah, well that a good introduction, I think, a healthy sum of uh went what went on in our last conversation and again it's great to be here yeah Uh, i'm glad to partake of these kind of conversations i don't think they happen enough i think uh people have an allergy and i understand why they do to kind of thinking about things from the metaphysical side we love to talk about the historical or the kind of uh you know the the way in which this plays out in our practical everyday ordinary existence but all of that presupposes uh, a lot of metaphysical yeah uh Assumptions about the nature of those things. I actually had and a wh-
0: I had a friend. <laughs> sorry, I had a friend no, who um texted texted me after listening to the episode and he listened to it multiple times. But I have a a long text which basically he says, I wish the church would talk more about this kind of stuff. We don't hear enough about it. And he was greatly encouraged. And I think at oh, one, nice. I think at one point he trapped his family in the car and made them listen to the whole thing.
1: <laughs> well, that's encouraging <laughs> to well. me because, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, because I mean, again, that where it where the rubber meets the road is in our everyday, you know, walking and community and you know, our lives. Yeah. Um, but again, I think the metaphysical, in another way of putting it, as spiritual, is fundamentally bound up with all of that, and we tend to only think of it in 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 kind of, you know, on, on certain levels, but not, I think, in the richest level mm-hmm. that, you know, even good philosophy gives to us. And again, I think it's that that is the arena in which actual the spiritual battle that we are confronting culturally is taking place. We're too busy fighting on the surface mm-hmm. that we don't realize what has changed for for not simply 10 years, 15 years, but actually probably hundreds of years if not a bit more <laughs> mm. um assumptions you know in, in increasing alternative assumptions um than the the kind of biblical and uh christian accounts mm. and so because of that we're we're very much caught off guard it's kind of like being the frog in the slowly heating water mm-hmm. right all of a sudden it's everywhere and we wonder how in the world would we got to yeah. such uh alternative accounts we don't know how to fully address and then couple that with the the world that has moved the other direction with what I would call bad metaphysics, they too have been severed from metaphysical thinking. So they buy a lot of presuppositions about reality that they've been handed, but they have no critical capacity to evaluate it or spiritual alternative. Um, They only see any any alternative as a sort of uh, a questioning of what is most real to them, and therefore a religious threat, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we have, we have kind of a double task, uh, you know, in, in, you know, from my angle of, of trying to retrieve what it, what are the rich things Christianity gave, um, us, how do these add to, if not allow us actually to dig out into the core of things and provide a a richer account of them Mm -hmm. um and then how do we start to implement that in all of our thinking i mean those are kind of the challenges so we talked about i think last time you hit right on the first thing that christianity really began to distinguish itself from everything else was its its view of god revealed in jesus christ of course Mm -hmm. the incarnation the incarnation itself brought profound changes to to you know the thinking of of christians in in the worlds they were in first of all the fact that god could become incarnate right Mm -hmm. that could assume humanity without uh mixing and conflict and yet there be a kind of harmonious union going on there wow and so inside of that is something telling about the way as you talked about god's distinctness is such because God isn't one more thing within the creaturely realm of things, but is the source of all of those things. Therefore, God, in all of God's distinction, can be closer to things than they are to themselves, and therefore the intimacy Hmm. is such that God isn't in in conflict with anything else, but it can be closer to it than Mm -hmm. it is to itself, is the most fundamental reality to which um, it owes everything as a creature to. So that's just some, some kind and of metaphysical sh- intro. But <laughs> he
0: shows us that in Christ, in the in the, in the person of Christ, right? Yep. How, that's right. How divinity can be that close to humanity yeah. without being yeah. mixed or confused.
1: That's right. Hmm. And, and it is that insight, I think, that starts to show... Um, a fuller, the the full rich vision that Christianity has for the world is that in our union with the humanity of Christ, we are brought into His union with, with as you know, with divinity. Of course, mm-hmm. ours is mediated through mm-hmm. Him; His is not mediated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, his His is uh, is is His nature, mm-hmm. um, and and so we share in His sonship through his mediation mm-hmm. and therefore we are brought to as creatures into a non-conflictual relation and able to commune with the living eternal god in the inmost uh reality that god is without conflict or blurring we don't get absorbed up into the divine like some mm-hmm. mystics would do it uh, as a matter of fact the more like god we become the more distinctly creaturely we become so there is no conflict there either it mm-hmm. isn't about losing it so, so there are some very rich things that happen here, um, but then the next mm. thing you know, you talk about is creation itself, um, and creation here is is the the gift of the Christian insight is the fact that it is gift all the way down. Yeah, God doesn't need it, and yet there it is, and there it is to be a recipient of all the rich things God is by nature, um, to which can be communicated to creation. Um, creation, therefore, can be a partaker of if it orients itself towards, that's the theophany, towards the glory that God is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what happens there is creation, therefore, also has a rich fabric that make it up. On the one hand, we have the distinct gift of the reality that each of us and each thing is Mm -hmm. in all of its difference and all of its kind of similarity. Um, and we have forms shapes, you know, I'm a human being. I have a certain form about the kind of thing I am. That is a gift. That is not something arbitrary or accidental Mm -hmm. or thrust on me against my will. Mm -hmm. It actually is that which makes up the will in part, you know, the exercise of the will that I have. And so it's a gift and also, uh, what I'm to become. Right. And so that whole trajectory is a gift. Um, that I am to become, you know, not simply the image of God, but the likeness of God, right? It's mm-hmm. the way the early church put it, mm-hmm. but or holy, um, mm-hmm. or able to commune with God um in the in the fullest sense that a creature can, and refract, therefore, the glory of God in a way that only image-bearers can do it within the whole of creation. So we get to share in all the rich things that God is by nature. Um, in a creaturely way, and that's kind of what it means to be a creature. That's why we're here to know yeah. God and enjoy God, you know, eternally. Yeah, yeah, and to refract that joy in into the flourishing of the whole of creation, and that's where its beauty and goodness and flourishing, as it orients mm-hmm. to God, um, works. So, so theophany is just the way in which all creatures are are can manifest the glory of God Mm -hmm. and delight in that manifestation as the fullest realization Mm -hmm. of what it means to be a creature.
0: I, I hear two things in that, that I want to highlight. And that is there, there is a, there is a path. There is a a, a purpose. Like we said, our existence isn't arbitrary, but our lives have, have a goal in mind. And that is to be, be in the, be, um, when we see him, we'll be, we will be like him. So there is a specific yeah. trajectory. But then the second thing is, is that God really values our creatureliness and how He made us.
1: Yeah.
0: And our egos like to get in the <laughs> in into the <laughs> ring, I guess, with God, yeah. and and say, no, I don't. I don't want your way. I want to. I want to determine some things about me, and we don't really accept who we are and how we yeah. are
1: yeah, that I think that that becomes a, a kind of manifestation of what it means to be a fallen creature okay in 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 that we have we now have a resistance to that rather mm-hmm. than you know, as Paul says in Romans, rather than you know, the invisible attributes being manifest through the visible the forms as they orient themselves Mm. towards god and us becoming thankful right receiving Mm. them as a gift um we became ungrateful and start started to look towards the creaturely things in our dissatisfaction to somehow give us what we didn't think god was giving us right So that's a manifestation obviously of our fall and our being brought into the darkness of deception mm-hmm. right that states what is what is you know what is the first temptation right this creaturely thing that god has basically said is not for you god knows you know the deception is if you you turn to this creature rather than the creator it's going to give you something that allows you to basically be on par with god mm-hmm. you can re you know to use classic patristic language you can reach deification likeness with god mm-hmm. without needing god just through this through your your own exercise of your will um mm-hmm. embracing embracing this creaturely mm-hmm. um fruit right mm-hmm. so what do we do we this is kind of, i always say romans is basically just a more generalized uh description of the fall right? Mm-hmm. We we had all this, the invisible attributes showing how God has all these things yeah. ordered for our good, and we can flourish there, and the glory of God is there, and we become dissatisfied. We turn to the creature rather than the creator, and so the giving over is the becoming, you know, fleshly-minded, if you will, mm-hmm. and no longer, we, we still, but the irony there is we turn to God's creature as though God's creature can supply us something that God, the creator of the creature can't give us that's 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 the bizarre thing of course that's satanic right satan the the creature uh fallen par excellence um trying to steal that role that belongs only to god Mm -hmm. and so hence our enslavement hence our darkened Mm -hmm. um mind and our our resistance and so i think today as we see the Fruits of Christianity being pushed further and further away. I, I like to say, push God out of the picture, push the image of God out of the mm. picture. Um, and so, what happens though is, mm. I think in the, in our time, God has been out of the picture largely for a long time. I, I would argue in the West, even if we use the name, our our understanding of it is very thin compared to to what Christianity gave us. Um, but the, the flip side is is the the human bearers of the image, um, and we'll talk a bit more light like, about mm-hmm. that, um, become the new target. And if you notice, I think what you start starting to see, one is the war against human life as image of God, the abortion issue, um, is clearly an attack against the image of God. So get God out of the way. Now we have to talk about human beings in the image of God. We got We have to kind of dismantle that notion. So the ability to just kind of make your choice mm-hmm. as a human agent um, back to the garden again. Your choice, <laughs> um, as the the God, if you will, uh, to which everything else, even the image of God, has to submit. Um, but secondly, what you know, Genesis tells us, male and female, He made them the image of God. And there's your your second war against the image. I think we're seeing is that there is this attack on the embodied aspects of our being made in the image of God, and so um, and, and again all. All in the name of there is something more sacred that is the human ability to self define, self determine through their their choice, and they the you know in align with what they mm-hmm. desire, who they see themselves to be.
0: So the the first heresies had to do with Christ back in the first yep. century, <laughs> and, and yep. now that we've lost that understanding of who he is, and and kicked God out, like you said now our heresies have to do with uh what is a person uh h- yeah. how are we made up right and, and that's why we're 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 wrestling with these issues and we're making things up as we go cuz we've we've lost yeah. that picture
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's a you know again a good summary of of kind of what's going on i mean i think we talked a little bit last time of of kind of how we got here from an alternative view of god which which kind of crept in a long time ago and basically stop seeing God as the the full intelligent will that God is, basically becoming seen as an arbitrary will that happens to be just more sovereign and stronger than everything Mm. else. So God just does it sheerly out of, uh, 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 you know, arbitrary choice, whether Mm -hmm. he saves or doesn't save. Well, once you redefine humanity that way, that their natures tell, tell us nothing, our embodied natures tell us nothing about our on uh, um, purpose and the way we orient ourselves only this is just so happens to be god the way god designed it well once we conceive of ourselves as basically wills that govern ourselves based more on what we desire at the moment rather than what is good for us mm-hmm. well all of a sudden our choices are tied to to our more base natures mm-hmm. rather than our fuller natures and we end up in the same place so image of god gets distorted image of God basically begins to be seen as this almost a gnostic transcending will um that strangely even materialists today hold to even though their own kind of uh materialist vision wouldn't really justify yeah. so yeah we live in very strange odd and incoherent times that's for sure
0: <laughs> so to set uh so so to go back and set the record straight then about who we are <laughs> uh can you walk us through that? our, our true natures.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, again, uh, the retrieving a lot of losses is a good, good part to starting to help the church build its big picture, you mm-hmm. know? um, So, you know, we, we will often talk, you know, terms of like our worldview. I, I, I don't use the term worldview so much only because it's got a little baggage in yeah. the academic world. It gets tied very much to like idealism and it, it, it's, it. it it often is looked at as kind of just another ideological framework that attempts to be a coherent way of piecing together everything. There are better uses. And I think, you know, something like Dr. Sunshine uses where he talks about metaphysics as kind of the fore, f- foreground, you know, our metaphysical vision is the foreground. Um, I tend to use theological vision. I think, um, mm. I think that allows me to be very realist mm. in my approach. So I, I think by retrieving strongly our christian doctrine of the trinity um but in its classic forms um a lot of the modern forms try to talk mainly of the trinity's inner relation with creation as really the the most significant part part of christianity and therefore it gets read back up in the god what do i mean by that Mm. a lot of modern theology because it it has adopted a lot of kind of the 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 personal and communal on the social level as kind of characteristic of God's inner life as a Trinitarian communion. Well, I guess the short story is a lot of modern theology made creation necessary to who God is.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And so, and so God basically in a sense becomes a a God who needs creation to self actualize or to become more fully God or, um, There are some, you know, pictures that are a little, you know, less extreme than that. But the classic vision of God, as I spelled it out, is that who God is in and of himself is complete, full and without change Mm -hmm. from everlasting to everlasting. And so that's what gives us the ability to see creation as a gift rather than some kind of sacrificial necessity to a higher being. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's the gods who aren't transcendent the way the christian god is that somehow need creation in order to make god fully god and therefore creation becomes enslaved to making god god right mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the al- alternative okay. picture so what frees the the creation to be creation fully mm-hmm. and to orient itself towards god's fullness freely for its own enjoyment and fulfillment is the fact that god doesn't need creation and yet is there to give it all that it is and so, it you know, even the judgment language of Scripture is not some kind of, you know, mad old grandmother ready to swat whoever mm-hmm. disobeys her house rules. Mm-hmm. These rules are life or death for the creature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. that seriousness of judgment, the consequence that sits on sin, isn't, doesn't cease to be the loving act of God. It's rather love in its fullness that says, this is not for you. Don't go here. Yeah. Right. Um. And and so so anyway, these are some things I'm picturing there. So our retrieval work, when we understand who God is, and creation as gift all the way down, and that form and as you mentioned, purpose or teleology is the big word. uh, Purpose are not arbitrary, but are therefore are being, you know, brought to fullness. Um, Then we begin to see that the whole vision that we have about who we are, how we're to behave, how we're to enact this life, starts to clarify some truth about you know our constitution as creatures, which kind of distinguish us from other visions. And I think that's really where we are today. So how, how do we retrieve these things? Well, of course, first is we return to our sources, scripture, and then the church's debates about what scripture teaches to bring clarity to things like, what does it mean to be a human made in the image of God, um, and then starting to address and engage the ideas and alternatives today, so that we can bring into a clear view how those those distinctions mm. matter um, for for our purposes today.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense.
1: <laughs> and so, yeah, so returning um, to to some of the metaphysical reflection on the nature of the human is, is a big part of that. Now, mm-hmm. I'll couple that with there is good work done in kind of the biblical theology world on, on you know, kind of the history of redemption and how that is constituted of our identity, right? What it means to be a human being in covenant relation. Um, I think if we only say that, that we don't address the metaphysical aspects that are being challenged mm. today, and so while we do get a lot of rich insight and important direction from those reflections um i think if we don't underpin them with the biblical and the theological metaphysic they can too become loosened and then attached to to differing mm-hmm. alternative oh. pictures so uh so there is you know there's good good things being done there but we need more
0: and maybe the way this i think this is an application of this, that the way it works itself out in the typical church or evangelical churches, we focus on like the law, for instance, as just yeah. the thing that condemns us and just a yeah. thing that we fall short of. And yeah. the purpose of Jesus is simply then to uh, forgive us, uh, to give us his righteousness and put us back in relationship with God. And that's yeah. kind of it. Uh, whereas... Th- this fuller picture is seeing the law as the way that the that life works and mm-hmm. and what's best for us actually and and there's another use of a law of the law rather than just to condemn us but it's to show us and lead us uh, to life right
1: well that's that's right we we you know to flip the 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 last times the picture from last time uh, we are premised Creatures. That's what it means to have a premise. What do I mean by that is that we, we aren't realities in and of ourselves. Hmm. Our choice is not grounded in ourself, in our action. The prior to that we're receiving at every moment, our creatureliness from the creator. Mm -hmm. There is not one moment at which we quote unquote are that we are not receiving what we are that we are and what we're for from the creator. Yeah. So even in our attempts to reject the creator, we're receiving our being. This is where the kind of the ultimate, you know, kind of blasphemy sits, right? Is that all the while we're receiving the good gift of life and the ability to choose. We're undermining that in our attempts to, to not orient it towards that source the right way. And so God... You know, the first commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, strength. Why? Does God need your love? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But guess who does need to love God first? I do. You as an image bearer, yeah. because as an image bearer of God, your first love, the fact that you're going to enjoy love in its perfection and its completeness as a gift is only attainable that way. Mm-hmm. To do anything less, therefore, is to put something else there. And then what happens? The next commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you're not loving, if you're not sourced by love the right way, then the next commandment, loving yourself and loving your neighbor get distorted. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so let's, let's say we put love of self in, in the first place, which we tend to do. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what happens to that the love your neighbor as yourself. You actually don't start really doing it because you're not loving yourself the the right way, and therefore you can't love your neighbor the right way. This is the problem with all the CRT and all of the the kind of attempts to love is love stuff, um, because it, it its premise not on loving God first, who defines what is good for us, and, and, and because God is the good and has oriented things towards Him because He knows who He is and what gives life and what is love. And so, you know, that that's one way of looking at it. So we are we are premised creatures um, and it is in orienting ourselves towards God the right way that we flourish and have our being and are opened up to the eternal bliss that God has prepared us for.
0: so simple. It's just like with anything. I I remember an example. I think I was in the second grade and they had us plant seeds in these little pots. And we did a little experiment to see which seeds would thrive. Some of them, we didn't give water. Some of them, mine, we didn't uh, give light. We put them in a closet. (laughs) And the other ones, we probably didn't give something else. But you could see that in order for the plant to grow. In right. the right way, it needed yeah. soil. It needed water. It needed light. It needed all. It just it needed need, to be.
1: Yeah, needed to be cultivated. And, yeah, yeah.
0: It needed to be cultivated. And in the same, in the same with us, for us to grow yeah. properly the right way, we need to be cultivated in the right way. And we and you, you can't mess with the formula. It won't. It won't work. Yeah.
1: It's interesting you mentioned that grow the right way. That was one of the first church fathers, Irenaeus. That was one of his ways of understanding even the fall. Okay. He understood us as basically almost like children in the garden, and that this this mm. whole process is meant to grow into the maturity that is you know made for us, mm-hmm. and, and that is the enjoyment of God in, in eternal life, and the benefits for the whole creation that way. Mm-hmm. And so the fall wasn't you know seen as this kind of I mean it was horrendous. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. And needs needs Christ to to re, you know to come and and uh, alter. Um, but it was it wasn't seen as kind of this angry grandfather slapping the hand of the disobedient, you know, grandchild, which usually doesn't happen anyway. Yeah. It's usually the angry father. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> um, but it but it was what is this notion of you know that that humanity is going to even with this fall um, grow into a a relation with God through God's grace in Christ to to unfathomable ways mm-hmm. um, that would have happened apart from, from not having that fall. Yep. So yep. so Irenaeus definitely yep. had you know an, an antenna for that. But the, the other thing is similar. I mean, you look at every plant reaching towards the mm-hmm. sun, if you will, at least those mm-hmm. that are geared that way, right? Um, mm-hmm.
0: I think of uh, the poem by uh, George Herbert, probably my favorite one, mm-hmm. Easter Wings. Um, mm-hmm. He says, then I shall imp my wing on thine, and the fall shall further the flight in me yeah and the yeah. false and nice. further
1: the flight in me yeah. yeah yeah nice yeah and and i think that that some of that imagery is is very rich mm-hmm. um and and helps us to see how profound um the work of god is and and how it is driven out of the fullness that god is mm-hmm. rather than temper you know a temperamental um deity yeah you know? that's and that nice. that and, and that that judgment, it, it, the consequence ingredient in sin is death, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and the move away from, like you said, the plant growing and flourishing and reaching its its fruition, and that God's life is is the final end for the creature in a fuller in the fullest kind of sense. And actually, you see in like Colossians where it talks about humanity now united to Christ, is a renewal of the image of God in the knowledge of God and human beings become the glory of God. That is mm. about as profound as we can get. Yeah, We like to have glory apart from God. We think that we're glorified by self-expression. We don't realize mm. that the full expression of our distinction is brought out in the conformity to Christ. The mm. full difference we are and the full gift we are is only manifest that way. Mm. And, um, and I, th- you know, I think coupled with that is then, I mean, how do, how do we get back to kind of some of the metaphysical aspects? I mean, that's something we kind of talked about before, yeah. um, what, what kind of things are missing there? And, and I think, you know, on one end, I think we, we talked about the way in which matter and, and nature need to be reconceived that they aren't ultimate in the sense that they have a kind of autonomous existence. But what is the probably the most real reality is not the material. This, mm-hmm. this is this requires a lot of you know repentance in our own way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, what is most real is the spiritual mm-hmm. because the spiritual is self existent and it is the source that sources everything, including the material. So, a lot of the even the debates I think that have happened in theology around okay, are we a, a kind of a mind body? dualism Mm -hmm. or are we a kind of spirit soul body Um, a lot of them function as though the body and the material are first and foremost to be understood as kind of its own self-existent substance Mm -hmm. and that is very different from the way the classic pagan world thought the christian world Mm -hmm. thought and especially the developments of christian theology up until kind of the modern period is that the material is, is really in, infused, if you will, with with the spiritual and is sourced by it. Mm-hmm. And that there are rational, dement causes inherently shaping and ordering that material. So yeah. there is no such thing as called just material. Mm-hmm. It is already bound up with the spiritual and and the soul, if you will. And so to talk about the matter as though it can be kind of united to some other kind of substance... As if it's autonomous in itself or self-contained is already a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've already entered a materialistic or mechanistic vision that would have been foreign to classic ways of thinking. So I think one thing is is to start recognizing that our embodied natures owe their continuous being to the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And the spiritual is is the full reality that we are to interpret the material from and not vice versa.
0: Is that where like Existentialism uh, started flipping that um, from saying from the the classic vision of the uh, the immaterial giving meaning to the material, but then existentialism flipping it and saying no, no, all we have is our experience and the material, and now now I must uh, place meaning on it myself.
1: Um, I think they were already reacting to. Um, they, they were reacting to those changes that had happened in the West. And so there was a thick materialism that was was starting to take over. Okay. And so how, how in the world do you have any kind of meeting in this meaningless soup? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the only way we can have oh, okay. it, which which is a fundamental mystery for them, is that we can somehow act... <laughs> right Mm -hmm. the existential the act precedes being that there is no nature that Mm -hmm. we we are not kind of there is no nature there that we're conforming to but we through our choices through our acts somehow shape a nature that you know can or you know Mm -hmm. can have meaning for us depending on i guess the vision of it It, it's it's a there's a lot more going on there but just to keep it kind of yeah you know digestible that that, there is this kind of notion that and, and it is a strange notion that because there is a kind of nihilistic notion of the will going on there or choice or or act um because you know, a, a strict materialist would just say it's a manifestation uh, or byproduct of material arbitrary forces. So you're not really choosing or directing or supplying meaning at all. And so your subjectivity, your personal interiority is really just a, a you know, it's just a byproduct and nothing more. You mm-hmm. if you want to find meaning there, fine. But that's why a lot of existentialists end up with like the nausea of existence. Mm-hmm. And whatever you choose, it's not going to give you anything anyway. Yeah. Because it's all it's all green soup at the end, you know? Yeah. From <laughs> yeah. From, from soup to soup. Yeah, that's right. Basically. Whereas the the, the The and even being male and female, the capacity for the procreative continuance of life is not merely survival. Um, it's, it's the re- the reason those things can work towards survival and life is because they're ordered towards it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, this is where, you know, cl- the classical way of putting it is formal and final causality are also ingredient within the material that those forms and those ends are not arbitrary. This is what Darwinism and materialism tried to get out of the picture. Um, and again that it, and at the end of the day what they can't give account for is the material at all because the material isn't self-existent or self-sufficient mm-hmm. um and, and and likewise they can't give anything other than a, a strange account um of of our personal interiority and our you know all those aspects about us that are not mm-hmm. reducible to to the material um so so What you end up with, really, in the West, are kind of two strands that become even worse. So you have, on the one hand, a kind of idealism um, that gets kind of brought in through Descartes and other figures, which says, "Okay, we basically are two different kinds of things. We're a kind of soulish substance that can transcend the body mind you know or choice it's really conceived volitionally so it tends to be considered our capacity to choose Mm -hmm. right transcends us and then we have a material body that determines us but if we can learn to harness it through our choices the right way we can make the body which is basically just an instrument of our of our choosing and our soul um serve us and our purposes and this comes becomes kind of the Cartesian line. And we see it today, I think, with certain notions of the human being as having a, a personality or identity that is not connected to their body in any kind of mm. strong sense, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have the flip side. You have kind of the Hobbesian, Thomas Hobbes and the materialist line that basically is we're, we're just material all the way down. And so any kind of soul or 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 spirit that we have is really just the epiphenomena of material. And therefore, just uh just really at the end of the day, we die, it dies with us. Um, that, that kind of thing. So at best, because we are we have learned through evolution to somehow have some self-reflexive capacity, we can therefore maybe direct our evolution. Mm-hmm through technological mastery understanding this is a strange thing understanding causes (laughs) of course for them they're just material but it's funny they have a form to them Mm -hmm. and they so they need intelligibility to come somehow understand them to direct our future so transhumanism can be seen as a part of this right Mm -hmm. um it could also be a type of idealism but they tend to think of us as basically machines computers and if we can just develop these things at a, you know, at a higher, you know, state of evolution, somehow maybe we'll be able to become immortal or eternal through that. But you already have a kind of break, you know, a kind of break there, and then, and then today we just have radicalizations of those visions. So put us
0: back together then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, uh, there there were some debates early on, um, as Christianity kind of enters the philosophical mm-hmm. world of of paganism and Hellenic culture, um, it, it had to carve its 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 visions out in debates with mm-hmm. those philosophies because they were around and the people were shaped by them. And so one of the earliest forms of that is what we kind of talk about, you know, is the human being a kind of unitary whole? I mean, this is one of the questions we talk, they would talk about, or are they made up of parts, different components, right? So are we just kind of one stuff or a mm-hmm. kind of unity of different components, or are we kind of different components that have a hard time being related to each other? Okay. Um, so that would, that would have been one of the first debates. And that's a continued debate. I mean, we still talk about, you know, and so what kind of components, I mean, that mm-hmm. would become the next, you know, kind of conversation. Yeah. And so, you, of course, you had materialists around at the day, and and Christianity would not find that amenable to it, because there are places all over its revelatory sources, scripture, um that talk of the fact that we are more than just matter, right? Mm-hmm. um And no matter, you know, another way of putting it, no matter how you put it, right? Mm-hmm. um There are aspects of us, you know, li- becoming a living soul, you know, more than just matter, you know, breathed in the ruach, the breath of life. Mm-hmm that we have a capacity in the New Testament to be in these kind of, uh, states that are, you know, apart from the body yet only made complete with a reunion with the body. So that wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had dualisms like we have today. And some of them were, were, you know, kind of oppositional that you have spirit and matter, and these things don't work well together. And so some, some of that absorbed its way into Christianity, and so you have, with the early heresies, debates of whether God could be united to, you know, Jesus Christ and be fully God and fully, you know, human, or would Jesus be some kind of demiurge who wasn't fully God because there needed to be something that tempered that godness yeah, to be okay. able to be united with the body, Right. Um, so th- that was another debate. So Christianity rejected that. And of course, that's why the Christological debates and, and the rejection of heresies are so important for Christians to study mm-hmm. so that they can understand how true humanity and he- true divinity are understood mm-hmm. and related from a Christian vision. Mm-hmm. So that's where you can start to, you know, piece together the ri- the richer web. Um, and then then you also had debates even within the Christian community, is, is this kind of uh, a dualism or a dichotomy? dichotomy or a trichotomy mm. and that gets a little trickier because the language of the new testament isn't and, and old testament isn't always precise mm. and so kind of what you know i guess a good question would be what was at stake there yeah. or what was going on and um i i think maybe uh this would be a good place to pause because you asked me to address that particular yeah, issue but, yeah for sure but what what would be a good question you have for me and i'll spring off of that uh
0: First, where does uh, Gnosticism fit into that?
1: Well, Gnosticism, uh, you know, a lot of people talk of it as kind of uh, taking, well, the forms we're familiar with uh, take hold of certain Christian ideas, but they are wedded to what I would argue a metaphysical vision that wasn't fully Christian. It happened to work with, I think, a notion of the spiritual as central and prior which mm-hmm. is was was something christianity could agree with but oftentimes to the detriment of anything bodily yeah. or embodied um again there are there are gradations of gnosticism so i don't want to just kind of paint it I yeah. mean, there really isn't even a consensus on on what defines gnosticism but the tendency tended to be that the intellectual and spiritual um would really only be attainable to a certain kind of elite group Mm. of of figures that could kind of tap into this special knowledge and everyone else was kind of lesser down the chain of being and more crass you know more more fleshly more earthly so the whole goal you know is sort of to kind of move away from the embodied towards the the uh the intellectual and spiritual and again there are some there is some aspect of truth in that so i don't you know i I get what they were up to their problem was they radicalized Mm -hmm. it and they work with i think uh again either a a chain in which the spiritual and the material are kind of so far from each other um or they're oppositional Mm -hmm. that they they conflict and so to be incarnate god incarnate um was was already a problem you actually see in the gospel of thomas this imagery of jesus with a head that goes all the way to the <laughs> heavens you yeah. know so that gives you a good, good example but the way gnosticism we start to see today kind of show its head again is this way in which our embodied natures the form the shape mm-hmm. the gift of male and female somehow are at odds with our inner self mm-hmm. and that our inner self is kind of a you know a a inner sanctum of what's true about us mm-hmm. and so if our body and our inner self are at odds therefore my body the lesser vehicle um really the carrier of this this kind of what is core about me um is really can be altered if we're able to do it mm-hmm. to fit who I yeah. you know
0: if we just happen to know. have the technological <laughs> knowledge to yeah. do it like to do it like that's, we, that's, yeah. that's right like we just started yeah. having 20 seconds yeah. ago basically. In human that's history, right.
1: but that's right and it, the question never really comes up is that you know had we not developed yeah. a certain understanding of these things that all of a sudden this was just you know kind of a soul trapped you know like, yeah. like the old view the and and gnostic view oftentimes a soul trapped in a body mm-hmm. and the body is enslaving mm-hmm. it right the body is definitely seen as a lesser and and inhibits our our true spiritual freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, back to
0: the the bipartite or tripartite, <laughs> the trichotomy or dichotomy. I guess that was one of my uh, original yeah. uh, questions. Are we made up of uh, body and soul, or is it body, soul, <laughs> spirit? Uh, yeah. Does it really, well, does it matter, uh, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think defenders of, of each view passionately would probably argue it matters, and, and why it matters probably would differ based on each person defending mm-hmm. it. Um, I think uh, maybe a good way of putting the debate, and again, I, I kind of debate back and forth with the with the perspectives because I, I can see, I can see both of yeah. both of them out, you know, in the significance of both. Um, so one way of putting it is, and this is just the simplest way of putting it, is sort of the trichotomist would basically say there are portions of scripture at which it can't simply be just a duplication of soul and spirit, where the the human being is identified sort of as body, soul, and spirit, mm-hmm. not simply body and soul or body and spirit. Um, and so you would, yeah, I think, you know, if, uh, if I can think of the, the verse here, I think I had them kind of several of the core verses written down one would be first Thessalonians. 5:23 um, may god himself the god of peace sanctify you through and through may your whole spirit soul and body mm. be kept blameless at the coming of our lord and then of course there's the hebrews text where you know hebrews 4:12 yeah that's right sharper than any double edged sword which penetrates dividing the soul and spirit joints and marrow and again uh you know exegetes will will go back and forth some will say these are just kind of rhetorical uses of a term and that the full thread is just that there is a dichotomy um and this dichotomy is understood as a unity it's not kind of two substances at odds with each other but it's a you know is a is a holistic view that human beings are soul and body mm-hmm. and so for the the one that would hold you know the dichotomy view that there are just two things they would tend to pack into the soul everything that the trichotomist would have with soul and spirit mm-hmm. right um, so so for the trichotomist would say we have three elements, the physical body, this is kind of akin to our plant connection to the plant and animal world, right? right. Um, then you have a soul, which is kind of the, the psychological element, um, this kind of where bait, you know, reason, emotion, but especially our social relationships would take place. I um, mean, so some animals could have this in a very rudimentary way, mm-hmm. um, but they wouldn't have it comprehensively. But it, w- it would show why we can actually domesticate animals and relate to them and things like that. Oh, Certainly. Sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then spirit is understood really as kind of you, you could put it this way, our, our the capacity to transcend or our religious dimension. And this allows us to actually also communicate with other spiritual creatures, but also mainly with God and so that's where the seat of our spiritual qualities would sit and again there there aren't plenty of biblical texts to support that but there are enough there to where key theologians in history and contemporary exegetes you know would say you know that's a valid way of putting it and i'll give you an example um the early church the patristic fathers they really and I think the Eastern Church in particular will will continue to affirm this very solidly. Yeah. Um, for those interested, uh Enre de Lubeck, I'll, I'll spell the last name for those up there, was a was a Catholic resourcement theologian. What was a Catholic resourcement theologian? They were, um, you know, around the time of Vatican II, those that were really trying to get at the the shared consensus of Christianity before all the divisions started to break out. What Mm -hmm. did all Christians claim um, were part of their church history? And so for them, it was returned to the scripture and the scriptures read by the church fathers, because they all claim that the Protestants Mm -hmm. all say this. Not that they're all authoritative, but they are the first sources in which the spirit was active, bringing together the core confessions of our doctrine that we share. Um, and so in that resourcement material, he ends up going back and digging through the patristics. And he actually, in a book called uh, that he put out called Theology in History, hmm. he has a whole section that kind of defends and, and, are, and goes into the exegetical and the church historical uh, aspect of the tripartite anthropology. Uh, and so I think he's kind of a, a contemporary, well, he's he's passed now, but he's brought a contemporary patristic understanding wow. back into conversation um and then a lot of conservative protestants got a hold of it and i i don't fully re- I know the trajectory of of how they returned i imagine it wasn't through resourcement because that's just starting to happen with a lot of protestants mm-hmm. um but i i i oh well well i know in some of the uh the kind of charismatic circles yeah. Um, it, it really was retrieved mainly to talk about how we could still have uh, social and and reasonable, you know, our rational and emotional capacities, um, but be spiritually dead and the capacity to the mm. spirit to make alive. Now, there is some confusion sometimes, even in the patristic understanding of whether we have a spiritual uh, part along with the soul and body or whether that spirit just happens to be our participation in the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what is activated when we participate in that, mm-hmm. um, something, you know, something is activated there. Um, some would see it sort of as an elevation of the soul, but others would be seen it, see it as a certain kind of spirit that is, is, is the byproduct of that, that union. Um, and so you see it even in Genesis that, you know, here, here we have, dust brought into in in Ruach, you know, the breath of life and man becomes a living soul, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there's the living soul going on there. But it's, it's that living soul, that is the byproduct of that, that related to the spirit breathing, right? Um, So, so you have have a lot of that there, too. And, And some could argue, how is that much different than kind of the dichotomy view, right, being also united with the spirit. So, some will say there isn't any difference. There is no, you know, core consensus, but the but the churches tend to be tended to promote dichotomy over the the threefold mm-hmm. understanding.
0: Well and you can, like you said with exegesis, um really getting into the text, you can look at like I think it's Psalm one oh three where he's bless the Lord, O my soul. And so so yeah. then you have your soul, not your spirit, you know, participating yeah. in, in worship. But yeah. But then you have these other texts, like you mentioned too, that talk about the division of soul and spirit. I just, as I've been thinking about it, it's i th- I think it's more helpful. The three, mm-hmm. the three. I think it's just a helpful way for people to, yeah. um, to find, I guess, health and wholeness. To yeah. to. To recognize that when they're thinking about themselves, they have a physical part, they have this yeah. the soul part, but then they have this spiritual part, and it's good to break that down. You know, it's more like baby steps. It feels like yeah. it, 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 it. It's more yeah. helpful, and then I can also help thinking about the Trinity as well. And um,
1: yeah,
0: if God is three uh, in one, you know, is there anything to that with us and? That, yeah,
1: there And there have been you know, there have been, you know, f- figures that will talk of that kind of, you know, maybe a, of some kind of uh, resemblance, you know, or analogy going on there. And there are others, though, that will say, you know, those are limited because we can also be seen as kind of, you know, mind, heart and and body. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There's d- different way, like uh, okay. Augustine on, on working through it. So so maybe there again, maybe there is kind of some some analogy there, as long as we don't press it. Yeah too hard or make it dogma um and i think there i i think i agree i think there are ways of of talking about aspects of human relatedness to god the social and the individual personal and the material that th- the kind of threefold manner of talking about it um does allow a kind of you know categorization that i think can help with some of the distinguishing I mean to be fair those that hold the kind of hylomorphism this is this would be another way of talking about a unified duality um they would I think similarly be able to handle all of those things they would just crunch them more into a fuller sense of what it means to be uh embodied soul Mm -hmm. um and I think one of the things one of the strengths they have is the way of showing that kind of strong unity that the human being is And yet the ability to still have moments at which the soul can be separated from the body for temporal, you know, or for a limited uh, kind of uh, event, maybe a way of putting it. It's kind of hard to talk about the soul being separated from the body and talking too strongly Mm -hmm. about the temporal and, and things like that. But as we, we see in scripture, when we die, for example, prior to the return of Christ, right, where, or we read in scripture where the souls of the dead are, you know, before the throne, there is this notion that they can be held into being by God, and yet they're still made for resurrection and union with the body. And I think that's very significant because it shows you that the body isn't like the, the kind of certain Greek strands, simply the prison house of the soul or that which holds us back from our true self, mm-hmm. but is actually the form of the, the true, uh, you know, being human being that we are. And I think this is huge because I think it's a gospel moment that receiving the gift of your, your whole created endowment is part of, of repentance mm-hmm. and faith. I think it's a form at which repentance and faith take shape. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying simply because you received that, you're you know, you're receiving the gospel. But what I'm saying is part of the gospel is that the endowments you've been given are to be received in faith as gifts of God for for their fulfillment in God, and that Christ has come to show that in resurrecting bodily with all the transformations that happen, nevertheless, it is a there is a continuity between that body and and resurrection Mm
0: -hmm. and how do how does our mental health relate to our view of our our natures and our whether we whether we think that there's three parts or two parts i don't i don't think that makes a different a difference but uh we need to recognize that we do have a soul or a spirit as yeah. well, and a body, and our acceptance of both of those things. and And where do mental health issues can they can can that become an issue when we don't when we're not living uh, properly related to ourselves?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it goes in, in a variety of directions. There, I mean, I think one is that oftentimes when we've thought of mental health maybe merely as the kind of inner parts of ourselves, you know, severed from the body. 've we've, tith- we've oftentimes neglected those aspects of our embodied life that can impact our soul um and this is one thing about the Christian vision that these things are United that you know how we eat how we take care of ourselves, how we practice our religious life, our sexual behavior, all these things that scripture again um impact our 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 mm-hmm. soul and you know our spiritual lives and, uh, and our emotional and psychological lives. We'll just use that as a comprehensive mm-hmm. category and so but the flip side how we also enact and relate to and conceive of our body and how we should be enacting it is also very much connected to our spiritual state and our our, our soul's dispositions right and so um and even our rational you know let, let's kind of sever our connectedness to to reason and look at all the problems that come both psychologically. And, uh, you know, emotionally and physically from that, um, I think the interconnectedness of all these aspects of what we are, the whole that we are, um, are fundamental to the full, you know, salvo, the salvation that we are. And and I think, again, Paul mm-hmm. will say, you know, there are certain things that have priority. OK, of course, the the you know, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world, but he loses his own soul? Right. So the the soul being not lost, <laughs> Um, is the key to ordering the rest of those things right Mm. i mean the other aspect is loves i mean i think augustine's reflections on loves as as he saw in the pagan world and especially he saw in in the platonic world that they were onto something right about the way in which we are creatures that love and we love things but there are there is no thing that actually satisfies Mm. and augustine says well i know why right (laughs) i understand Mm. why and he said, "Well, Plato had a lot right. That our natural eros um, th- is not is ordered. It, it's not satisfied, and in, in it it really keeps looking and looking and looking until it can kind of find the ultimate good, as Plato put it, to kind of put all that to order it the right way. And uh, of course, Augustine will say, well, car- you know, caritas, uh, charity, or or you know, agape.'" Um, is really the fulfillment of that eros, and that this is a love unlike any other love, and yet is the fulfillment of love that only God is. And because of that, as we begin to love God first in Christ, and our loves are transformed, then we begin love other things the right way and receive them as the gifts they are, not turning them into deities, not making them constitutive of our identities, but actually being gifts. And that whole web of gift relations, ordered the right way, is part of what we as Christians are trying to do as we orient our loves the right way in the church. Is bring bring about and expose the idolatry as basically distortive of the goods of creation and how in the light of Christ and the restoration of our whole being towards God, they can be received and related to the right way.
0: The restoration of the order of our loves. I... that's that's a message that i don't hear a lot in church (laughs) and um and that was uh, augustine like you said talking about the ordering of our loves and um i just think that's really important for people to um for us to grasp and to grow in and like you said putting 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 god first helps you to order the rest of your loves and how you're oriented in the, in the world.
1: Yeah. His famous line, Augustine's famous line is that your heart sits restless till it rests in thee. Right. I mean, it's the same point is that there are, you know, beautiful things in the world. They are beautiful. They're, they're creaturely good. They're attractive. They make us feel good Mm -hmm. for a season. Right. But they're temporal, they're finite, they're limited. And we try to, in our fallenness, exact what only God, is and can be for us from those creaturely things. This is why, you know, what is the return of the alcoholic to the drink, right? Mm. It's that temporal ease and happiness. I can't get enough of, I need to permeate me all the time, but Mm. it isn't capable of doing that because it's a creaturely thing and has only a limited capacity. And for that matter, the more I try to exact God from it, the more it, I become a slave to it, right? Mm-hmm. My love is distorted in relationship to it, and I'm not receiving it the right way. Therefore, I become an alcoholic yeah. and, you know, the rest. And you don't even enjoy um, it anymore the right way. That's right. Yeah. Versus, Scripture says all things are will be received if done with Thanksgiving. Why? Because with Thanksgiving, you're receiving. Thankfulness is reception of the gift mm-hmm. the right way. And so I'm not turning it into a God. Therefore, I'm celebrating it as a wedding feast, right? Mm-hmm. Where... Where, where the good wine is brought out at the end, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, you, you really see a different, you know, a, d- a different way of looking at it. But Irenaeus, back to early church father, would talk about in Christ was the recapitulation of all things, right? Mm-hmm. So his focus on the atonement was not simply just what Jesus did on the cross, but his whole life prior to the cross as a renewing, first of all, renewing humanity in taking on and uh, assuming the human, and then renewing the water by being baptized, it, renewing mm. the creation for its theophanic character mm. to manifest the glory of God as it's as it's restored and renewed in Christ for its communion with the Trinity and all else. And so I think this is similar to Augustine's talk of the renewing in, of of our loves. Um, this is you know this is something even Christ came to do in assuming our humanity, um, love God the right way on our behalf, and has therefore given to us. In giving us our humanity back, the right way, a proper way to love God and enjoy Him, you know, forever.
0: And if we're uh, if we're if we feel lost or just confused in life, I believe that's a place that we can start. Start start by loving God first, putting that relationship yeah. in your life first. Like I've I've been through a lot of times in my life where I just don't know what to do next, but yeah, I do know the first thing I can do. I can yeah. focus on God. I can love God and 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 seek him and that'll help me. Uh the the other things will fall into place hopefully eventually.
1: Um and you you hit on something very good. Where where in my life can I start with this? So let's say someone out there says, "Okay, this is heady. I get it, but how in the world do I even start loving God the right way?" Mm-hmm. But of course, we know that it's not not first that that we love him but in that he he, Mm. he loved us first and sent his only son he didn't need to do it he does it for us and takes on you know our sin and all all that we all that gets us off from true good communion with God and all that brings death hell and the grave into the world he Mm. takes on to himself and flips it and gives us life his life that is eternal life and all the riches that are his as a son of the eternal father and so that's number one recognizing the reality that has come to us in christ and that secondly you're invited christ says you know come mm-hmm. you know follow me um and uh, and and then the next thing mm. is is that let's say i don't even get that well here's one thing you can do start with gratitude and thankfulness That's where we undid it all. Mm -hmm. So if we start to become thankful, even when we don't feel like being thankful and recognizing that we owe every single good thing, even if most of our life is marked by what we feel is bad things, Mm -hmm. the fact that there is any good at all, the good of being, the good of existence, the good of, of the fact that you're given a next step to do right, the good of all kinds of things, your next meal or whatever, or lack of meal, but, but friendship. There's so many things in plenitudes that we're given to start being thankful and grateful, yeah. um, and recognizing as we're thankful and grateful, we are starting to be oriented to Christ, um, and in His perfect gratitude and thankfulness on our behalf, we are able to begin that process yeah. of of being oriented to the glory of God and to become those that manifest yeah. it.
0: It's like a we. we be- it's like a ho- a hose a garden hose that's uh, crinkled <laughs> up in several places thankfulness yeah. is straightening it out and once you get it straightened out uh the the water, water flows, water flows <laughs> yeah in your life and can water other other parts of it i think that's a that's a great i think that's yeah. a great place to start and i and i like that you emphasize um jesus gives us that invitation he loved us yeah. first and he doesn't force um anything but he invites us there's something about that that's just so i don't know it's it's wonderful there's, there's an there's an invitation for you for me to be thankful today and to follow him yeah. and are we going right. to take
1: it yeah and 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 the i think the, the the deepening of that is is that our 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 love constitution already cries out for even as it repulses it right <laughs> we're made for love yeah, and we we're looking for love in all these dark places because of our fallenness, and yet here is love itself on the scene, mm-hmm. um, saying, "Take, eat, partake. Mm-hmm. This is done freely for you."
0: I think that's a I think that's a good place for us to end today.
1: Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I think that's good. Wow,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy listening, re-listening to this because. There's, <laughs> There's a lot that I I need to absorb still, but anything else? <laughs> well, hopefully,
1: hopefully it made sense. Oh yeah. Sometimes doing it off the, off the cuff, it's it's you know it could get it could get a bit thick, but hopefully yeah. people will be able to at least listen to it a few times and take some yeah. rich things away.
0: Absolutely. Um, you're you're working on a book right now. Are some of these things going to be a part of that?
1: Yeah, so one book I'm doing that's the most accessible, I I call it sort of a a handbook for the baptized. Um, A handbook is a great way of putting it. There's a better word, but I don't know how much people would um, appreciate. It's called the Enchiridion. This is what Augustine wrote, the famous Mm Enchiridion on faith, hope, and love. It's a handbook for Christians. And one of the things that I want to retrieve there is kind of what is the form of life that we, we are to have as Christians as as, that basically follows the baptismal formula Mm -hmm. um baptism is our life putting to death the old putting on the new putting to death all those things that we're not about putting on all those things that we are Mm -hmm. about right so it's the it's but the first thing about baptism a lot of people don't reflect upon in scripture is it's an invitation to war Hmm. it's a bat it's battle language Hmm. you are being baptized in the christ now have gone to war with him against you know, death, hell, and the grave, Satan, and all the principalities, and it's spiritual warfare is right at the heart of this new form of life.
0: That's why he's and, right after his baptism, he's driven out into the desert to fight the devil.
1: Yeah. That's right. And that, that one of the mm-hmm. things you see here is we're called to war, to battle all that that has been victoriously defeated but has not acknowledged it yet. Mm-hmm. This is why bringing all things into conformity to Christ as Lord is part of why we're here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're here to actually take the one, the, the the victory one, and start engaging in those battles of defeat, which is the last stand of the enemy, if mm. you will. And so, in claiming all things for Christ, and this is this is you know this is all has to do with our confession of Christ's lordship, right? Wow. And so that's going to be, and I'll be looking at things, the some of the ethical issues and why we're to go to battle with those territories that satan has basically clamped onto in our time and what it looks like when we kind of pull the christian riches to offer uh, a, a a superior alternative a a life-giving true liberating um truly victorious alternative so that's one a second i'm doing is a book on um he, uh, theological anthropology this this topic mm. but very thick in light of the gift character of our natures yeah. and and our purposes and then the third thing is, is the ethics that ties that really those two things together. Okay. Wow.
0: <laughs> I look forward to that. Look forward to those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll look I'm sure you to do too. Good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Well, thank you so much uh, for yeah. today and uh, for spending time for, sp- for spending time with me. So, Absolutely.
1: Um, I enjoyed it very yep. much.
0: Well, this is uh, episode 82 of Bumper Sticker Faith. Uh, Anyone out there uh, can um, go to BumperStickerFaith.com if you want to learn more. If you have any questions, you can email us at BumperStickerFaith at gmail.com. And uh, I think that's all I've got. So we'll, uh, we'll see you guys later. All
1: right, bye.